Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Talking Ticks. I'm your host, Scott Gerard, and with me, as always, is our co-host, Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. Uh, we're just coming off a fresh win from LSU at Vanderbilt. We'll get to that in a second, but uh, before we do that, I just wanted to suggest to you, if you're not already following us on Twitter, please do so at Talking Tigs. That's talking without the G. And we're also on Facebook uh, at Talking Tigs Podcast. And we're also on iTunes and Spotify. So before we get into this uh, monster win by LSU, I just wanted to check in with my co-host to see how you guys are doing. How's it going, guys? Feeling good. You know, we're, we're reporting live from game day right now. Normally we record on Sundays, but today, you know, just decided to hop on the podcast minutes after a good LSU win. So it's great to be with you, Scott. And uh, Daniel, what do you think? Yeah, having a good time. LSU literally just won about five minutes ago. We'll go into all the details there. And then we'll, in case anything crazy happens breaking in the world of college football while we're recording, we'll bring you that as well. Yeah, and it's really a treat because we're getting those, those instant reactions, you know, no time to really to, uh, you know, spin anything. So you're going to be getting the, the raw, you know, the raw reactions from this Talking Takes podcast. So, uh, you know, good for, the, good for the listeners. Exactly. <laughs> Big episode eight, we're going to make number eight great. So <laughs> that's what it is. Eight will be great, and uh, the win itself was great for LSU. Uh, final score was LSU 66. Uh, you heard that right, LSU 66 to Vanderbilt's 38. Uh, some Tiger fans might be concerned about Vanderbilt scoring 38, but I don't think it was as bad as the score might suggest, and we could probably get into that a little bit later. But uh, overall, LSU offense... Uh, delivered as you might expect, uh, at least in the year of 2019. Yeah, I was about to say, as you might expect now, but maybe not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah not, not, we would have said this two years ago. Definitely not. But you, you could look at, we'll, we'll get into Joe Burrow and his performance, the numbers, the offense itself. But LSU's offense has been exactly what it has been for the whole year, uh, even though it was against its first SEC opponent of the slate. Uh, Vanderbilt not as strong as others, you know, as as might be obvious, but nonetheless, it, it's still a conference opponent on the road, uh, and also with a 11 a.m. Central kickoff, as our co-hosts have lamented against. But um, to to get into uh, you know just the overall aspect of the game, this is pretty much what I thought. Again, I I, I probably would have sided with most LSU fans. I wouldn't have thought uh, Vanderbilt would have scored that much but I was actually not surprised that LSU scored that much. I don't know, maybe a little bit, um, although one was a defensive score. But uh, the offense did, in, it, it came into Vanderbilt and did what it has been doing. And uh, Joe Burrow uh, kind of put in another Heisman performance against uh, a subpar opponent. But, uh, you know, it's no slouch. Vanderbilt's been known to have good defense the last few years. And uh, LSU was without some stars on both sides of the line. But uh, what was your overall impression of the game thus, you know, so far? Uh, let's start with you, Tommy. Um, so, I mean, overall, great win. Glad to get our first win in SEC play, especially on the road. Um, Joe Burrow, what more can you say? Looking great. Receivers, great plays. I mean, I think the top player in college football right now, you know, as of as we're at. 3.18 p.m. Central Standard Time. 
Uh, Jamar Chase is, I mean, have, had a breakout stellar performance, and I don't know if he's going to be topped by anyone today. Um, so that's you know, a great thing to see. Defense, I agree. You know, it, I, it gave up a, a few more points than I would have liked to uh, Vanderbilt, but um, like you said, we're missing Rashard Lawrence, and, we're miss, and we, uh, we lost Michael Divinity uh, yeah. about like first quarter or second quarter, and then uh, Chason didn't play, and uh, who else didn't play? Another, the defensive tackle. Uh, Glenn Logan. Yeah, Glenn, Glenn Logan didn't play either. So, you know, we're basically starting half of our second string, it almost seems like. And uh, I think that even though, you know, the defense gave up uh, more points than I would have liked, they had a good performance, uh, especially in certain plays. And we'll get into that later on when we move out of defense. But, you know, you can't ask for much more than 66 points and a nice 30-point win on the road in Vanderbilt. So, um you know, we, we're undefeated in SEC play as of right now and uh, ready to move on to that bye and kind of rest up and heal up. Right. I was kind of eating my hat a little bit because I was the hater before the season even started with the saying LSU wasn't going to score 60, and then we do it in back-to-back games here. Last week against Northwestern State, I mean, all right, you can see that, but then against Vanderbilt, who's not exactly a, a Titan but a Power 5 opponent, to put 66 on the board against them is quite an accomplishment. So congrats to the Tigers there. Joe Burrow continues the Heisman campaign. And, yeah, shout-out to Jamar Chase, who was held out against last week with an injury. And it comes back, absolutely blows the doors off of it. I think he had something like 220 yards catching off or receiving off of 10 catches and four touchdowns. So that's pretty insane, especially at the college level, you know. And, you know, Daniel, I think that also two, two games in a row off of, uh, for 66 points is just further proof that I think uh, somebody within the program, probably Insminger, maybe Brady, I think they're listening to the program. I think they, I think they understand, and they're uh, big talking Tigs fans because they. Uh, I think <laughs> two games of 66 points is just proof that they're trying to prove you wrong. So yeah, exactly. that's just my take. I'm gonna be pretty warm because now I'm gonna be wearing two Joe, Joe Burrow jerseys, one on top of the other. <laughs> so that'll help it's me. True. Now he's got to get a white and a purple. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say you could also split them down the middle and just sew them together. Uh, kind of like parents do when they're... Like when the house-divided jerseys? Exactly, exactly. Uh, but, yeah, um, both of what you guys said as far as the offense and the defense, uh, we'll get into that in a second, but uh, as far as the offense goes, uh, you know, you could downplay it and say, well, it's against Vanderbilt, but uh, I would counter that and say it was against Vanderbilt, but it was on the road, and it was a you know 11 a.m. kickoff for LSU's bodies. Uh, but to put that aside, you can't downplay just the sheer the sheer stats of them all. I mean, uh, Joe Burrow, he was officially 25 for 34, 398 yards with six TDs, which it's the six TDs was a LSU record, and uh, the 28 points in the first quarter versus an SEC opponent was also an LSU record. And um, I don't think, and I don't remember the last time an LSU receiver had over 200 yards receiving. And Jamar Chase had 10 receptions, 229 yards, four TDs, four TDs in one game. And uh, you know it wasn't even up until the fourth quarter, I don't think. So that that's just amazing in and of itself. But uh, I mean. I don't know if we should be surprised anymore by this LSU offense, but uh, you know, it's, each week it seems like they they do seem to find a way 
to to top themselves. Uh, my my only uh, I guess my only uh, constructive criticism would be if if they can produce these numbers further down the SEC stretch. You know, it's uh, this looks great and all, and it gives plenty of fans and you know in the program itself a lot of confidence. But I don't know if they're going to be able to put up 66 in Alabama. So uh, we're going to enjoy this win and just enjoy how the offense looks uh, and just worry about these other opponents down the road. But uh, you you got to be happy with it. I mean, this is only the second time, I think, in SEC history that uh, a team has scored 45 points mm-hmm. in, in, four, in four games. And yeah, that's, that's what she was I gave that stat in the third quarter, I believe. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you, know, I, you know, Tommy or, or Dan, you guys can, can take it off from here, but uh, let's start with the offense. Uh, I mean, are you, are you surprised by anything? Are you even more impressed now that they did this on the road against an SEC team? Or do you think it's uh, more along the lines of, well, it's kind of business as usual because this offense has already established itself? Yeah, it's pretty pretty wild that we're at this point already, but it is almost not that surprising where LSU just goes in, takes care of business, we air it out, and then the wide receivers bring down Joe Burr's passes and just take it to the house. Like, this is not something that you would think we would say at all three, two, or leaving last year. So it's pretty crazy that that's the situation we have at this point. I mean, not to take anything away from Vanderbilt, but their secondary is kind of trash. Uh <laughs> Jamar, Jamar, <laughs> not to take anything away, but you're trash. Uh, yeah, Jamar Chase, I think I saw maybe five or six times where he'd catch a pass maybe 15 yards downfield and then turn and leave the guy on the floor and just turn upfield for another 20, 30 yards. And then so like they just couldn't tackle or cover. I mean, obviously we maybe had that little talent gap, but, yeah, we, we kind of put, put them – in their place a little bit. And then, yeah, Clyde, Clyde Edwards-Alaire had a great day on the ground. He busted off one huge run right at the beginning, kind of set the tone. And, yeah, I think we, we worked in a kind of well-balanced and well-organized manner there, which is definitely what you're going to need against the tougher opponents that we got coming up on the slate. So, and John Emery and uh, Tyrion Davis-Price had some good runs late in the game. So good to see them get some work as well. But, yeah, I, I enjoyed what I saw. Offense did everything you could really ask of them. Uh, I don't know if you had anything to add there, Tommy. I mean, I think that I, I, I'm still surprised, and maybe that's just me, you know, being just so used to and so disappointed with the way that we've, we've you know, treated our talent in the past because I, we, we were watching this game, and after Jamar Chase maybe busted his second or third touchdown, I mean, I lose count after 200-and-something yards and four TDs, but um, when, after he, you know, he hit his third, second or third touchdown, I was talking to Daniel, and I was like, can you imagine – what it would be like if we had had Jarvis Landry and Ruben Randall and Odell Beckham on the same team with an offense like this. And it's just, I mean, you can't even imagine it. So it's, it, for, for, I think for any LSU fan who has been, who's been locked into the program and watched you know, every game for the past 10 years or so, you got, you, you, I, I think you just can't believe it when you see this stuff. But, I mean, that being said, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm surprised in a good way, and I'm so excited uh, I, one thing me and Daniel were talking about were was uh, you know we hope that we can we, that this offense is not Joe Burrow dependent. I love Joe Burrow and I want him to be you know everything he can be and to be and to, to you know get reach the pinnacle of his of his potential in this in this season. 
But for the future, you know, I hope we can develop this offense into an offense that is almost plug and play with with any you know pretty good quarterback. And we've got good quarterbacks in the you know Miles Brennan has looked good in in all the games that he's played in. Peter Parrish looks good. I've watched him, um, you know, some of his high school footage and some of his footage from different camps. And then, of course, we got T.J. Finley coming in down the road. Um, but I, I do think, from a, from a more macro perspective, you know, I hope that this offense is something that that can transcend the Burrow error. Um, but regardless, you know, going back to just this game in general, uh, I don't think from an offensive perspective you can ask much more. And I know you said, Scott, that I. Uh, you know, maybe we won't be able to put up 60 against Alabama, which, I, you know, I probably agree. But that being said, I don't know if we really need to put up 60 against Alabama because, you know, presumably we would have all of our defensive players 100% ready to go. And, uh, you know, it might, I, think it, I think it would just be a different game. And so I don't know if we really need six, to put up 60 points. And we don't need to win by, you know, 25. We don't need to – because, I mean, for some people, you know, LSU needed to win by 24 because they needed to cover the spread. But the sp- I, would, I would presume the spread against Alabama might be a little bit closer. So, uh, you know, Coach O can leave a few more points on the table. Definitely. And uh, I, I think you could just go with that. LSU does not need to put up 60 because I think their last win against Alabama was actually – Nine to six. Nine to six, right? <laughs> yeah. So I, I think LSU could definitely do better than six points this go around. I don't, you know, I don't know what the final score would be, but I, I think if it did come down to it, uh, LSU fans could at least, you know, have some comfort in the fact that you know their offense is going to be able to keep pace, if not set the pace, because you know before the you know the defense would be okay, but the offense couldn't do anything and. Eventually, the defense just got worn down, and Alabama could score whatever they wanted. I don't think that'll be the case this year. But as far as this game, uh, yeah, I mean, the the offense couldn't have done any more to to be impressive. Uh, I mean, it seemed like each area had a breakout game. You could say Joe Burrow kind of did what he did, but, I mean, he he set a record with six touchdown passes, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire... You know, he clips the 100 yards mark by himself. Uh, and LSU had a good day rushing, I think, uh, about 181 yards total as a team um, with two touchdowns and receiving. You know, Jamar Chase, I don't know if he set a record, but he, he probably came close. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of different guys involved. You know, really no – there was that one interception, but, uh, you know, I, I think it's – you know, it could just—it could have been a play that gone either way, and it was—you know—Miles Brennan. It wasn't Joe Burrow, but nonetheless, uh, I think the offense is going to be something we can rely on for the rest of the season. The defense—you know—I don't know. They—they um, they did show well. They were missing some guys, like we talked about, but they—I think overall they did a good job holding Vanderbilt to what they did, uh, considering they were missing some guys. And Vanderbilt had an extra week to prepare for this. Like, they had a bye week before this game. So I think after that first drive, LSU fans were probably a little concerned because Vanderbilt moved it uh, pretty easily down the field. But I think you have that luxury if you have a a week to yourself. You know, Jordan Rogers was on the call, Aaron Rogers' brother. And he he said that... uh, Vanderbilt's coach was was quoted as saying that you know they're playing with house money, so they're gonna they're right. gonna try a bunch of stuff. So 
you know, for, for a team like Vanderbilt, this really is, you know, this is the kind of game for them like the Texas game was for us. So, you know, that, that offside, uh, the offside kick that you saw at the beginning of the second half and kind of just some of the other, you know, going for it on fourth down a bunch of times, that's the kind of stuff that, that Vanderbilt can do because this is one of the biggest games they'll play all year. But, you know, for us, uh, you know, we, we want to play a little bit more conservatively because like we kind of had scares with during this whole game, you know, we don't want to get anybody hurt. Michael Divinity came out of the game. Joe Burrow got, uh, you know, down, and he was on the field, and, you know, everybody was worried about his leg. And so... So did Justin Jefferson. Yeah, exactly right, Justin Jefferson. So it's two different perspectives for, I think, for both these teams going in. You know, we're just trying to get out with a win and with everybody healthy. They're trying to get out with a win no matter what. But if they, if they lose, you know, it's not like they were expected to win at all. So um, they really, you know, they have nothing to lose, and we kind of have, we have everything to lose, including our, our health. Um, so I think that, I think that, you know, even though, like you said, we let them give up 38 points in our, in our defense, you know, might've been a little bit, um, a little bit like lackluster. It, it, it's not, I don't think it's indicative of our, of our total defensive potential. And, you know, a bunch of our play, our dynamic playmakers weren't even on the field for most of the game. So, you know, let's just hold tight. Let's stay strong. And, uh, you know, we'll, I think I think a, the true test of the defense will be, you know, when we play, start playing the real, you know, the real home stretch of SEC teams. Yeah, like to give up 38 to any opponent is pretty tough, but it maybe just be kind of a sign of the the current college landscape. Like LSU gives up 38, but oh, they scored 66, so we still absolutely dominate. It's a little bit different because Georgia played Vanderbilt a few weeks ago, and I think they won something like. 30 to, 30 to 6. 32-7, right. yeah, somewhere in that range. So that was like a dominant defensive performance where we didn't really match that. But, yeah, like Tommy, you said... But we beat them by more points, though. You know? Yeah, so it's kind of like how a lot of the Big 12 teams, like Oklahoma or like Oklahoma State plays, where it doesn't matter if they give up 40 points because they're going to put up 60 or more on you, and then you're still going to get blown out. As long as like you can score, they can score, and then you just keep on running it up. And then plus... Yeah, like you said, a lot of our backups were getting that good time in, uh, like second and third stringers, plus we had some injuries. So it, this is not our, our A1 defense, which will definitely look to tone up, but it may not be as good as it kind of comes off looking at the box score, like, oh, no, they scored 38. Well, and, and Daniel, to kind of go off of what you said about, you know, this is maybe this is the landscape of college football. You know, when you think about it, when you see a score like, you know, 66 to, 66 to 38, do you, like – we don't. I, I feel like we're kind of programmed. Anytime, anytime the losing team puts up puts up a lot of points, regardless of what the margin ending margin is, I think we're programmed to say, "Oh, you know, that was a pretty bad defensive performance. That wasn't very good." But we still beat them by twenty. You know, what twenty nine points or something like that. And and I, I mean, I, you know, maybe it, it's strange to me that like uh, when you if if we saw a score of twenty nine to zero, we'd be like, "Wow, what a shutout." But then, you know, we beat a team by 29 points, and we're like, you know, oh, I don't know about that one. You know, maybe, uh, you know, are there problems? It's kind of, you know, it's the same thing. Of course, you know, it's, it's different because they do end up, you know, moving the ball out of us, but the margin's the margin, and they covered, uh, which is what's important. <laughs> yeah, and that, we definitely had good plays uh, on every phase of the ball. Obviously, we, we went over the offense. The defense had a couple of good interceptions. And we Derek Stingley with his first career college football uh, 
interception. Yeah, very nice, Derek. Certainly looking to see more of that as the season and the, the next couple seasons go on. And then we, did, we didn't really have as much defensive line presence as I would have liked, obviously, with Caleb on Chason and Glenn Logan and Rashard Lawrence out. You're not going to have that big leadership there uh, in the disruption that you might like. But they had a couple of plays. And, and Brendan Fajoko looked good. Yeah, he Brent, had, what, two sacks, I think. Yeah, Brendan Fajoko was held out last week, but he came back and had a strong time uh, this week, so that was good. Um, and then I think we're going to go into a few plays here in the special teams in just a second. But overall, I, I mean, I don't really have too many complaints. There's a few things to kind of sharpen up, but it's not the end of the world, obviously. I mean, you put up a 66-point win, nobody's going to complain too much. No. And at this point, we can just nitpick because we have the luxury to do so. Uh, the one thing I would nitpick about, I guess, would be uh, Vanderbilt's rushing attack. Uh, I mean, they have a, a great running back in Keyshawn Vaughn, but, I mean, at the halftime, he already had 12 rushes for 67 yards and a TD, uh, and he finished with 130 yards and two TDs uh, with a long of 52. Remember that big run in the first half? So I guess that'd be my only nitpick is that you know, as as much as the defense did show up after that first touchdown, uh, they did get gashed a little bit. Um, so, you know, that's something to look forward to. But I, I think, uh, you know, this kind of goes back to what you said a, a few episodes ago, Tommy, about is, is this just the new LSU team and this is just how we have to look at it. And it could be. You know, it could just be that LSU has a, uh, a maybe a very, very, very bend but don't break defense and we just kind of look to them to have a stop here and there and we just hope to outscore you know, some, some stiffer competition like Alabama or Auburn or A&M, A&M down the road, but uh, I don't think we have to worry about our defense not being able to uh, stop a barn burner, it's just you know, like you said, the score 30, was it almost 30 points difference between us, but we look at the 38 by Vanderbilt and think, now oh, the defense has some holes. Yeah, but I don't think it's going to cost LSU a game. I think the only thing that's going to cost LSU a game would be their offense, not being able to perform as they have been. But, I mean, <laughs> no one's been able to stop LSU since, so, I mean, they haven't put up less than, you know, 45, so we'll, we'll see how that turns out. But, um, I guess, I guess on to special teams, because that's yeah, that's that's what's left. Um, what, what did you see from special teams this week? Well, I mean, special teams look pretty special. You know, uh, on two plays, uh, I, I don't know his name, uh, first name, but uh, number 23, Baskerville. Yeah, you know Ma- Micah Baskerville. Baskerville. Micah, yeah. So, uh, you know, he, he had the uh, blocked field goal for a – or no, blocked punt. Blocked punt. Blocked punt for a touchdown. And, he, and he then scooped and returned. he scooped and returned the uh, – the onside kick and almost almost scored a touchdown. He kind of got ran down to the end, but you know, two great plays from a, a special teams player. And uh, you know, other than that, no, you know, I, I still love. And I was talking to Daniel about this during the game. The thing I like about Derek Stingley returning punts, and obviously he's an explosive player, and obviously he, you know, he has the ability to take it back to the house. But I also like that he has the the patience and the the composure to. You know, he doesn't. I don't think he tries to make too many things happen, and he doesn't. You know, try to be the hero and pick up the ball when he shouldn't, and risk a muffed punt or risk a fumble or risk you know giving giving up bad field position. So I do. I do really like 
that, you know, and I think we will see some explosive plays out of him, you know, when the time is right. And we've already saw one in the first game. He took one back for like 30 or 40 yards. Didn't score, but still a really good return. Um, but I, I like that, you know, because I, I always get a little bit scared, you know, we got a freshman back there, and for, for a freshman who, you know, isn't as composed as a Derek Stingley, you know, you might see a guy, the ball bounces a couple times, he tries to pick it up, drops on the ground, oh, no, you know, what's going to happen, and then it turns into a disaster. So I really appreciate um, that football IQ from, from Derek Stingley on the special teams as well. Right, and then plus K York went 9 for 9 on extra points. He, he had zero field goal tries, which is just a testament to how efficient our offense was in the red zone, which is something that we've really struggled with in the past where we may drive down to the 30 or the 20 and then just kind of get stopped in our tracks and end up kicking a field goal or coming up with zero. But, yeah, to plug in seven every single time is great. So good for him being consistent there. Uh, and, yeah, those the extra points, I mean, it's only nine points, but it makes a difference. I mean, plenty of games have been decided by more or less. So good for him, and then, uh, and that's another freshman too. Yeah, exactly. So we'll have him uh, as kind of our our solid go-to for the next couple of years. Almost like a la a la uh, Rodrigo Blankenship, right? Isn't he a senior now? Yeah, with Georgia, he's been working with him for a yeah. while. Yeah, and and just to one thing, Dad. On top of that, I I like the the savvy of Derek Stingley to you know even as a freshman. Because there was a couple punts where he pretended like he was going to field them. Yes. But yeah, they were going over his head, and it went into the end zone. And I thought, oh, that's great. Finally, someone with you know at least some some sort of competency to uh, you know at least try and deceive the other team. And you, you know, notice that it, it, it stops yeah. the guys because you know when they're running, they're not looking up at the ball; they're looking at him. So right. He. Uh, yeah. Exactly. You're right. It stops them. You know, a half step or so. And that provides a, just just that little bit of time that you know lets the ball you know get into the end zone because I, I believe the one you're talking about you know it bounced in bounds and then rolled into the end zone so um, you know that yeah that, it's the little things like that that I really appreciate and then I see when I watch him play yeah yeah uh, so having said that I mean LSU has to be feeling really good about this, giving them a lot of confidence. I know they have an out-of-state opponent next week with Utah State, but it's at home. Uh, then after that, I believe, is Florida. So well, we got to uh, buy next week. Oh, that's I'm sorry. Correct. Yeah. Uh, so now LSU has a buy before they have Utah State at home. Um, I, I don't know if they really have too much to work on. Maybe just get healthy. But uh, I think what do you guys – What's that? Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, I think get healthy. You know, maybe, maybe um, you know, iron out some of the kinks in the defense or just kind of, you know, really get, get a whole week to take a look at what we, the body of work we have so far on the, on the defensive side of the ball and see, you know, let, give time to Dave, to Dave Aranda because even though it's a one-week bye, I think that we're all in agreement that Utah State's going to go our way. And so I think that gives us two good weeks to look forward towards uh, SEC play and, you know, really iron out, you know, defense and the offense. I think the offense is looking a little bit better than the defense right now. But either way, um, you know, I think this is going to be some much-needed rest and then the next week as well, some, some much-needed uh, time for preparation for the rest of the season and hitting that home stretch of uh, SEC play after Utah, after Utah State comes to Death Valley. Yeah, for sure. Like Utah State, they, they're not a, a pushover. They've got a good dual-threat quarterback in Jordan Love. 
but LSU will most likely take care of business there. And like we said, just get everybody back to full strength. Uh, Dave Rand might test out some new defensive schemes, trying to kind of tune up that against the real heavy hitters. And then Florida, like, we kind of shook them off a little bit last week when Felipe Franks went down for the season with an injury, but they absolutely dominated Tennessee today. Um, Trask, I think Kyle Trask is playing really well, filling in for Florida. So, yeah, obviously they're coming to town, and we lost to them last year, but that's not going to be just run-of-the-mill. So if we can get that, that'll launch off the end of the season uh, on a very positive note. But I think we can take care of business uh, at that point. So we'll be looking forward to that. And then kind of sad that next week we'll be on a bye, so we can't bring a, a great episode for number nine in honor of Joe Burrow. But we'll still be here getting the best content from around college football. Maybe it'll just be that Joe Burrow appreciation podcast. Where we go, we can go deep into the Joe Burrow lore and talk about his time at Ohio State and stuff. He deserves it. <laughs> Oh yeah, there was a there was a good quip this week about um, Colin Cowherd was actually interviewing Urban Meyer. Mm-hmm. He was asking him about you saw this. Yeah, I saw it, and Josh Lemoyne posted it as well. Yeah. I, is that where you saw it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't remember where I saw it, but it was just the fact that Cowherd was like, "Wow, who is this guy?" So Urban Meyer, what do you think? Uh, you know, why didn't you recruit him? He's like, uh, "Actually, He's did like, uh, he, I, he, I did recruit him." <laughs> yeah, he was he, he was did, on my team for me. Actually. And he actually, it was almost, he was like, he's like, yeah, he was almost my starting quarterback, and then he wasn't, so he dra- grad transferred. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, that was funny. Yeah, yeah, it was. Oh, in other news, uh, I'm sure you saw this, Scott, Ed Ingram is now cleared to play. So, you don't often see, you know, in college football, uh, mid-season, mid-season big pickups, but I think that's a big pickup for LSU, and I'm excited to see him. Especially, you know, perfect timing as we're going into a bye. You can get him worked into the system for a week, you know, hopefully, and have him ready for, um, if not Utah State, at least for Florida. No, yeah, I think they will because they, they said he would be ready next week. Not this week, obviously, but they, they said he would definitely be ready to go by next week. But, you know, we have a bye so that we have that luxury. Uh, but then there's Utah State and then Florida. And I, I think he's an integral part to the – to that offensive line in the offense. Yeah, I just wanted to, not to interrupt, I wanted to give a shout-out to Adrian McGee, who laid an absolute devastating... Uh, talk about offensive line, yeah, that, that he laid the boom on An absolute devastating pancake block on a Vanderbilt defensive tackle. It's hard to describe, but the guy just came in, he just leveled him, and literally kind of stood there and looked down at him as the play continued. So just type in Adrian McGee on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, and then you'll find this highlight, and it's worth a watch. But, yeah, you can go ahead, Scott, with the editing room. Uh, yeah, no, it's just uh, I, I think the offensive line will be a little bit more shored up once Ingram gets there. And, and as far as that play, I watched it during the, the replay, and it looked great, except the only thing I would say is, you know, he, he kind of enjoyed his play a little too much because, like you said, <laughs> yeah. the play went on beyond that. Yeah, Joe was like still running around. He's still running around, and he's just admiring his work. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I'm sure that's something that they can point to, you know, just to improve upon. Yeah, but that's one uh, of the things we'll say. Hey, great job! That was incredible, and we love to see it. Let's just continue to let's just play with the whistle <laughs> next time. Right. Exactly. Um, so, looking, uh, you know, LSU goes into a bye. They'll they'll work on what they need to work on, but. Uh, you know, looking around the you know the league and the the country thus far, everyone else is pretty much doing. I don't think we expected Florida to win by quite that much against Tennessee. 
uh, I, I think this guy Trask at Florida, you know, it could be it could be along the lines of, you know, uh, like Troy, uh, Drew Bledsoe at New England with Tom Brady behind him. It's like this guy is who they saw as the starter, and he's doing a great job, but then he goes down, and they have the backup to replace him, and then you know the backup does maybe as good or better. So uh, going back to what you said last week, uh, Daniel, about Florida, I don't know. You know, Florida could be as good or better going forward because of this, because you know there's just a different guy there, and you know Florida didn't. They seemed to have the talent, but they didn't. You know, just really seem like they were put together as a team. So it'll be interesting to see how they go for it because they really blew out Tennessee, 34 to three. I thought uh, Tennessee might have a chance after that last week, but uh, apparently that was just, um, you know, that was just a flash in the pan. They just kind of got up for that game because they got tired of pushing it around at home. Uh, but Alabama also took care of business, 49 to seven against Southern Miss. Um, I don't know if you guys saw. Did you see the USC? Utah game on uh, last night. Uh, I I did. We watched. Um, at least I watched a, a large portion of it. Went to bed because you know packed well after dark. So I was went to bed before the game was over. Um, was happy to see that the Utah Utes covered for me. So that's that's good. Um, yeah. <laughs> as you can see, it's a it's a trend. Uh, I I really care about the covers. But anyways. Um, but yeah, USC. I you know I've been I've been kind of a USC skeptic this year. Everybody was kind of talking about USC. I thought, I mean, U, USC. I thought, uh, I thought that Southern Cal would have some trouble against Stanford. They took out Stanford. Uh, you know, I thought they'd have a little bit of trouble against Utah, a team that Lee Corso predicted to be in the playoff um, on the first day of college game day. <laughs> so, um, you know, and, and not really, you know, unfounded in that U, uh, Utah was a very highly touted team going into uh, the first week. As a, as a Pac-12 contender, you know, to represent the Pac-12 in the playoff. So, you know, USC has, has kind of uh, proven everybody wrong, and they look good. they got some good skill players, and, um, you know, we'll see. It's still a Pac-12 team, and they're still, you know, I think they, I think they would get exposed a little bit if they played a little bit of worse, uh, a little bit better competition, but, um, you know, good win for them. Yeah, we'll have to see how everything kind of shakes out by the end of the day. But there's definitely going to be a little some change in the top 25. Maybe not at the very top, but yeah, with Utah dropping, uh, Michigan also got beat badly by Wisconsin. They finally got exposed as just being not very good. Sorry, Harbaugh. But yeah, I'm actually not sorry, Harbaugh. I can't stand him. <laughs> so they got beat, and then uh, Oregon's playing A&M right now. Oregon actually out on top. So are not well, not, I'm not in Oregon. Uh, Auburn is playing A&M. Excuse me. And then so Auburn's doing pretty well. And then we got the big game tonight with Georgia versus Notre Dame. Hopefully Georgia kind of shows Notre Dame how the SEC football is really played. And then so Notre Dame will probably drop out there. But, you know, so we'll see kind of where things land tomorrow. But LSU at least saved their spot. So that's good. Yeah, I kind of got a little worried because of, uh, you know, Thursday. Tulane had that great win against Houston. It was uh, – they were down 28-7 to at one point, And they came back and win – you know, we might be, uh, this might be one of those upset weekends for college football. But to go back to this USC game, they were on their third string quarterback. Yeah. And, you know, because they had, they had lost their starting quarterback, I think, in game one or two. Then uh, this freshman stepped in. So now the, the junior quarterback, who was, I think, th- third string, led them to victory. And 
I don't know. It's like I just don't know how many. You know, you've seen this before with Ohio State and, and other teams like Alabama. So it's like some of these teams just have this luxury of two and three deep with quarterbacks that can just step in. And I, I kind of, I don't know if LSU has that in Miles Brennan. I feel like they kind of do. I just don't know if, you know, if the game was on the line, do you think that Miles Brennan could come in and win the game kind of like this guy for USC did or, you know, one of these guys from Ohio State did a few years ago when, you know, Cardell Jones. Cardell Jones, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So do you, do you guys think that uh, LSU has that with Miles Brennan? God forbid something happened to Joe Burrow. Um, yeah, I think I think Miles Brennan is a capable guy, and I think he's he's probably going to be the uh, the starter next year. I think most all you know all uh, all signs indicate that he will be the starter next year. Um, do I think he's you know? I, I'm not. I don't know. I'm in a position to say whether or not he could lead us back to a national championship win like Cardell Jones or you know anything like that. You never know. And he's definitely a talented quarterback. Um, but you know, it's it's always tough. It's it's kind of one of those you know situational things. I think. Right. I would say that there's definitely a chance, and he can maybe manage a game. But it's going to be a big struggle if Miles Brennan has to step in there right now. He's got the weapons around him, but I don't know if he's really just the dynamic playmaker that Joe is at this point in time. And so that, that would definitely worry me going forward. But we still got our guy, and that's all I really care about. Well, you know, and, and then as well, talk, just kind of looking forward to next year, Daniel, uh, there's some speculation out there that you informed me about that one, uh, you know, highly touted, uh, UCF injured quarterback Mackenzie Milton. Uh, UCF Central Florida, they the team that LSU beat uh, in the Fiesta Bowl last year that had the undefeated season twice in a row. Their former quarterback Mackenzie Milton, who suffered a, a pretty devastating injury at the end of last season, he's rehabbing all year this year. But their new guy Dylan Gabriel is coming and played extremely well. So some people are thinking that Mackenzie Milton might transfer out of UCF and be a graduate transfer, eligible to play immediately for next year. And so the thought has been, well, if he does transfer, where would he go? So there's some big schools like LSU, Oregon, that have senior quarterbacks. or quarterbacks are leaving and where that void might be where he could kind of step in and run the offense. So I would not be opposed to having a capable, capable guy like him come and step in, but that's about a 0.1% chance right now, but just something to kind of keep the gears turning on. Yeah, it's kind of fun to think about because, you know, that – that UCF offense is definitely a high-flying, throw the ball around, spread it out kind of offense. So it'd definitely be interesting. It would kind of, kind of be horrible for, for Miles Brennan, who's been, in, who's been the, the, the quarterback in waiting for four years now. But, uh, you know, I, I, I would at least welcome the quarterback competition. Yeah, I think uh, Brennan is the delayed heir apparent of LSU, and that's probably why he stuck around this year knowing that Joe Burrow would be gone after this year. So I don't know what would happen if another, you know, transfer came in because that seems to be what LSU's had the most success with. Uh, but I, I don't know. Uh, you know, Brennan's been in the system for a few years. He has, you know, he knows the guys. He has to trust. Who knows if someone could come in and replace him with zero experience in the program or the system. I guess we'd see... Uh, and a little tidbit based on that, uh, UCF is actually down right now, 21 to nothing on the road against Pittsburgh. 
So we'll 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 see if uh, you know if if they if he even needs to leave UCF. Maybe he'll be needed there uh, if, if their season doesn't turn out the way they thought, going for another third national championship. But <laughs> for back to back to back national championships. Yeah, exactly. Um, you got anything yeah. else on this big week at LSU sports? Uh, I mean, nothing on the LSU front. I will say that I, I was just informed by uh, ESPN that uh, Lynn Bowden, the wide receiver from Kentucky, has 72 tattoos. So congratulations to him. That's an interesting factoid, and you can share that with uh, share that with your friends at the water cooler on Monday. Uh, you know, I just found out that this Kentucky receiver has 72 tattoos. Right on. Good for him. I don't know if that's going to help them uh, be... That does not, does not equal 72 touchdowns, but... Um, no, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, they, have a, they have a big game today, too. Uh, I don't know if that's going to help them. Uh, really interested to see how this Auburn-Texas A&M game is going to play out. Auburn's got a 14-3 to lead right now, almost at halftime. But that's that's what I'm looking for because you know there is this there is this talk this week about this big Auburn super booster reaching out and trying to get Bob Stoops to come in, which you know boosters Yikes. are going to do what they want to do. But what's weird is you know it's not like Auburn's 0 and 3; they're 3 and 0 in the top 10 right now. So it just you know you just got to wonder sometimes the the motive of these boosters that are going outside the realm of the program to make these moves, even though, you know, if you look, if you look at the record books, uh, you know, is, would you put Gus Malzahn in the hot seat, ranked number eight, uh, with a 3-0 record right now? I mean, it's just, it, it's kind of, it kind of seems silly, don't you think? Well, of course, of course, Gus Malzahn's been, I feel like he's been on and off and on and off the hot seat for years now. I mean, I, I remember there was the, the classic hot seat bowl, where LSU, a Les Miles-led uh, LSU team, played Auburn at Auburn. LSU ends up winning the game, apparently. Then they review the play, or they don't review the play. Regardless, the LSU receiver had the ball. Remember this, Daniel? He has the ball, and uh, they don't give it to us. So we lose the game. Les Miles gets fired, and guess Miles on keeps his job. You know, they and everybody said it going into this game. You know, whoever loses this game is probably gone. So um, it doesn't surprise me. You know, it's always it's always the grass is greener. Who can we get in? Like, what's the ne- who's the next guy for a team that's not you know at that championship level? Um, I don't know if Bob Stoops is the answer. <laughs> you know, judging by uh, the way that Oklahoma's performed since his since his departure. Uh, I would say I don't know if I'd want any part of that if I was in another team, but you know, to each his own. So uh, it'll definitely be interesting to see what what uh, what Auburn does against A and M. But uh, you know, I guess that'll be for next week. Yeah. yeah, I think that's about all I got for right now. Interested to see how the rest of the day plays out, and then we'll look for LSU to to lie in wait for Utah State in, in two weeks here. Yeah. All right. So having said that, I mean. Some of the games have already been decided. Some are pretty much in the process of being decided. Uh, do you, I mean, LSU's got a bye this week. So do you have any, uh, any big predictions as far as this week? Uh, I mean, we could start with Georgia-Notre Dame. Since that's probably the biggest game of the week this, this week. Yeah, 
you know, I think that Notre Dame, uh, Notre Dame is perpetually overrated. I was talking about it yesterday, and, I, you know, I, I've never, I don't think there's any other team in college football where just, just the name and the prestige of the program basically elevates them 10, 10, 10 spots on the, uh, on the you know, top 25 poll. Because anytime Notre Dame has a halfway decent team, they're going to be in the top 10. And the whole, you know, we talked about it, I think, two weeks ago, that the whole independent thing where they, they play who they want and they don't have to play in a conference championship, that obviously benefits them. Uh, my prediction for the game tonight, Notre Dame will be exposed for the mediocre team that they are. I think Georgia's going to run the score up or at least win handily. Um, Georgia's a very talented team. Uh, I, you know, Jake Fromm is probably, he's either one or two, I would say, you know, between him and Tua, as far as grade goes in this uh, in this draft class, is going to come out this year. Uh, so, I just uh, you know I, I don't see I don't see it being a good night for the uh, for the Irish. Yeah, I don't either. I think Georgia, I think they'll win by I'd say two to three scores. I'd put it at uh, about I don't know. I'd say maybe thirty four to twenty four, something like that, because. Uh, I mean, Notre Dame does have some talent, but I agree with you. I think they're perpetually overrated. But, um, you know, they, they, they do seem to find a way to win some games here and there that it looks like they're going to lose, but then they don't. So they, they get to, to, to save the record. Um, I don't know. What's your, uh, what's your call, Daniel? Yeah, I think Georgia's going to take care of business. I actually think Notre Dame might keep it a little bit closer than expected, but then Georgia will pull it out at the end. I mean, at home, Notre Dame has kind of not exactly been dominant, and Georgia is what they are at the the current state of college football. They're one of the big superpowers, and they'll get a win. I've heard that Georgia has something like 15 five-star recruits for the next three years in attendance at this game. So for a win for them tonight, that's going to be huge for the Georgia program in the next few years, which is kind of bad for LSU to bring it around, but uh, it just kind of shows the importance of these big games, and I think Georgia wins maybe by a one touchdown or something like that. I would agree. I think um, Notre Dame is not going to score as much. I think Georgia's only had, I think, actually, I don't know if they have had any touchdowns, offensive touchdowns scored on them so far this year. So they, they've got a defense. But looking forward to next week, there's not – there doesn't seem to be too much. I mean, there, it looks like there's going to be some ranked matchups, you know, in the you know, Arizona State, California, uh, maybe Washington State, Utah, considering Utah doesn't drop out. But other than that, there, next week doesn't seem to be too big. Um, I think one game maybe Virginia at Notre Dame, considering what Notre Dame does this week. you got USC at Washington, which would be a good game. Not much in the SEC. Uh, I think the best game might be Mississippi State at Auburn. But other than that, pretty humdrum. You got Ohio State out in Nebraska. It could be a could be a setup for a uh, an upset there. But other than that, uh, I think we have to look forward to LSU and Utah State in two weeks. So having said that, uh, any last any final thoughts from you guys? Good win. Go Tigers. Yeah. Yep, another week in the books, another win for LSU, and that's all I can ask for. That's all we can all ask for, Daniel. That'll do it for us. Even though LSU has a bye next week, we will still be on the call for you here, as always, with the Talking Tigs podcast. We'll talk to you next time. Go Tigers. <laughs>